The Baggies Podcast, giving you the latest news, views and opinions on all things Albion. Now available on YouTube, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Hello Baggies fans and welcome to another episode of the Baggies Podcast. It's great to have you here for yet another one. It's episode 38 today. I'm Louie and I'm going to be a host today. But today, is, I'm not alone. I'm not alone. I'm joined today by former West Bromwich Albion and Republic of Ireland international Simon Cox. So it's fantastic to have him on today. It's going to be a very good episode. He's going to join me for the duration of it in just a second. But yes, if you're new around here, firstly, thank you very much for downloading the episode. If you download it and just listen at home, that's fine. But it's great to have you downloading the episode. That really helps us to, you know, it shows us how many people are listening, really. So make sure you're downloading the episode. Make sure you're following us on all platforms, including Twitter, at the Baggies Pod and at Louis Ben underscore. Links are in the description. But yeah, without further ado, let's get straight on to hearing from Simon Cox for the duration of this week's episode of the Baggies Podcast. Let's go. On this week's episode of the Baggies Podcast, I am joined by a very, very special guest. I'm joined by former West Bromwich Albion and Republic of Ireland international Simon Cox. Simon, welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm very well. Thanks for having me. No worries, mate. Um, so you're you're a Baggies player between 2009 and 2012. You you made 65 appearances. You scored 10 goals in your time at Albion. But when you were growing up, was football something that you always wanted to do? Was it something that was always a, a dream of yours, or was it something that came about quite late? No, from the age of sort of well, it, when I was all in primary school and. Um, I had an older brother, so it was something that we did in the in the back garden of my parents' house every every night, every weekend. Um, so yeah, it was as soon as we were able to kick a ball, I was at I was out in the uh, in the garden doing skills, trying to juggle the ball, that sort of stuff, and uh, and it was something that I'd always wanted to do ever since since then, really. Oh right, so you but you started your career at, at Reading, and you were obviously born in Reading as well. Um, how, how did you first? How did you first get spotted by Reading? How did they? Did, did you know that they were going to be like at a game that you're playing or something like that? No, we. Uh, I got. I got really lucky actually. I was uh, playing Sunday league football um, with the assistant manager of Reading. His two sons. He had mm. uh, twin sons, and we were all three of us were playing upper um, up an age group uh, for our Sunday league team, and uh, and. After a few weeks or so, seeing that I could, you know, make it at that level, um, he he said to my parents, you know, come down to the academy, which was a centre of excellence at the time. But um, he said, come down, let's see what he's got, see if he's uh, see if he's got enough to to stay and um, see what he thinks. And I joined there at the age of nine and left at the age of twenty. So I was there eleven years, and uh, yeah, I really enjoyed my time. Uh, and you made your debut, I think, in a in a game. I think it I think it said against Luton or something like that. Um, yeah. I think you must have been eighteen, nineteen, something like that at the time. What was it like making your debut? Because obviously that's quite quite obviously if you played academy football before, that's quite a big step up. Even if you're just going from the reserves to the first team, that's quite a huge step up. What was that like? Yeah, absolutely. It was uh, it was a massive massive uh, day for me and my family. Obviously, being born in Reading. Uh, was a Reading fan all the way through, season ticket holders, me, my, uh, my brother, all of his friends, all of my friends, my dad uh, as well. And um, so just just making your debut was it was just a, a massive honour for, for me and for my, my family. So 
that was great. But in all honesty, I don't really remember a great deal about the game, uh, apart from the fact that when I came on, um, I ran around like a blue ass fly and probably <laughs> made about four or five fouls and probably should have been booked at the time. But um, I think they gave me a little bit of sympathy knowing it was my debut. So, um, yeah, it wasn't probably my most memorable of, of games, but, you know, one that in terms of making my debut was, uh, it, it just makes it for a good, a good memory. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I do have to say, I've seen a lot of players do that on their debut, just come on and start just hounding the opposition. I think I think it's just the, sort of the buzz of get, you know, making your debut and you're just sort of excited. You want to impress and you want to get on the ball and, you know, make a good impression. Absolutely. It's one of those, I think, you, you only make one debut. Um, so that in itself is, uh, is something to be proud of. But ultimately, you tend to don't really remember it. Um, and you literally just run around and you you take everything in your stride and you try not to do something silly. Um, but ultimately, you go out there and you try your best and and it it makes you that that more hungry to uh, to go and get more more appearances and and hopefully have a career. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think I I do have to say you're not the first guest we've had on the podcast who forgets the debut. Uh, you <laughs> you know a lot of professional footballers. You'd be surprised that just don't remember it whatsoever. It's, it's really weird. But you, you obviously, you played for Reading. You went on loan a few times, but then after going on loan to Swindon, you, you joined there permanently, which is, I think, where you really made, really kicked on and made your name in, 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 in the Football League. Um, and consistency was something that was really key for you, obviously. I know that's quite an overused term in football. And, you, you know, you were joint top goal scorer, I think, in the season prior to joining West Brom in the whole of the English four leagues. Uh, how's it? What's it like to keep that consistency up? What's it like trying to, you know, keep those goals going in? Well, I think ultimately it comes down to the team around you as well. Um, I had a team around me at the time who uh, knew how I wanted to play, knew how, uh, knew what suited me. Crosses into the box. Um, you know, I had a strike partner uh, who was the the bigger person of the two of us and he took all the bumps and bruises and the knocks and the bumps and stuff and and it allowed me to sort of do the other side of things which was putting the ball in the net um so his work never went unnoticed for me um but you know to others it might have done but uh yeah listen it was it was one of those seasons that everything I hit hit the net um and you don't get those often so when you do you have to try and uh get as many as you can and, and I was lucky enough that season I ended up with uh, 29 in the league and 32 in all comps so I can't argue with the numbers that, that, is, a, that is an astonishing record to be fair but uh, you mentioned everything you touch in going in the back of the net some things that you, you hit were actually from God knows where on the pitch and they were <laughs> absolute screamers and I think I remember if I remember rightly that Ian Wright started a bit of a, a campaign for you to join a, a, a higher division and obviously you were collecting interest from elsewhere including West Brom which we'll go on to talk about in a second but what was that like seeing lots of people noticing uh, your 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 goals and noticing your your record at that level yeah I think for somebody like Ian Wright who um, came into football late who sort of played at Sunday league level played at sort of non-league level uh, made it all the way to the top of Arsenal or Crystal Palace um, you know for somebody like him who knows what it takes to to be successful and go through the levels, it, it meant a lot. And I actually got sent that clip 
um, maybe a few days after after he said it. I think it was on Talksport, and uh, and you know it, it just it it makes you think that there is abundance of talent in the lower leagues in England uh, and sort of around the world, really. That just because you don't play for a, a top four side in the academies doesn't necessarily mean you haven't got talent. It just means you have to work that little bit harder um, and bide your time. And listen, some don't make it, some do, and it's um, and that's just the nature of football. But uh, it, listen, for somebody like Ian Wright to to be speaking about a goal that I scored was uh, something that I'll always remember. I'll, I think I'll have to try and find the clips <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> like I'm sure I've got it somewhere. Yeah, but it was definitely something. It's something that I really love seeing. Seeing somebody come from a lower division or you know a, a, a lower league and and finding that making their trade down there and then trying to build their way up. It's something that's re- really really good to see. And you you made that that jump into into the championship. I think Swindon were were League One at the time. Um, yeah. And um, you joined in two thousand and nine. What was what was it like when you first joined? How did you did you hear about that interest quite prior to to joining? Yeah, I had. Uh... I had uh, a lot of a lot of clubs interested, but I had uh, I had probably three that were very very interested. West Brom being one, Newcastle being another, and Celtic being the other one. Wow. Um, and it actually meant at the time there was a lot of managerial vacancies. West Brom had Tony Mowbray, who ended up going up to Celtic. Newcastle had Alan Shearer, who got who was relegated from the Premier League at the same time, but didn't. <laughs> take the manager's job as well. So there was a lot of uh, managerial um, vacancies around. So nobody of the three clubs that I was interested in, no one had a permanent manager. So it was very interesting to find out who was the one who I was going to go to because I didn't know who the manager was going to be. Um, and then it got sort of later and later into the uh, into the summer and I, I didn't sign until... Um, into July, I think it was. Mm-hmm. I'd done a few days of preseason at Swindon as well. So um, I was on the I was on the phone to Dan Ashworth, um, and he he phoned me and he said, "Look, we're appointing our manager um, tomorrow." I can't tell you who it is, but um, you know, we want you to we want you to come in. And I, and the first question I asked was, "Well, do you want me to come in, or does he want me to come in?" Because <laughs> It's all well and good you wanted me, yeah. but if he doesn't want me, there's no point in me coming. And he said, "No, no, he he wants you to br- he wants to bring you in as well." So I was like, "Fine, no problem." Um, sat down with with Robbie the next day and uh, and sort of, you know, was expecting to to sign and 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 took every day as as it as it was. Um, it was nerve wracking going into that dressing room because it the dressing room that has just been relegated. But expected to go straight back up into the Premier League that season uh, with a new manager, with a new philosophy and ethos of the way the team was going to play. But ultimately, the the team had to get be successful and get back into the Premier League. So it was it was a bit daunting going into the uh, dressing room the first few days. But I was uh, as a confident boy, off, obviously off, off the back of the season that I had. So I, I knew it would be a little bit of time, but um, I knew I would find my feet and, uh, and and get going as soon as I as soon as I sort of settled in, really. Uh, and yeah, and you mentioned that pressure. You mentioned that obviously we just come come down to the championship, and this squad was obviously good enough to go back up. Did you get that pressure from outside the dressing room? Was there a lot of sort of, you know, pressure just building on you to try and make sure that you could 
get up that that first time of asking. Yeah, I, I think I, I'd obviously known West Brom as a, as a club as being that sort of yo-yo club, and um, but knew the expectation that they weren't they weren't a club that were, was happy to be in the Championship. They they wanted to be in the Premier League and, and sitting down with Jeremy Peace and having a conversation with him. It was like we we're, we're you know we we want to be in the Premier League. That's where the you know the the glitz and the glamour, the fame and everything else is is in the Premier League. And obviously, um, that's where every club wants to be. So you sort of felt that pressure, but we knew that when you look down the Championship, Newcastle probably had the the sort of bigger and better squad in terms of individually. Yeah. But our squad had been together for a long time. Added a few additions like myself into it. Um, so we we were quietly confident within the dressing room that as long as we performed every week, which majority of the times we did, we had enough in the dressing room to uh, to be able to win the games and ultimately finish second to Newcastle. So that was uh, two that came down, two went straight back up. So that was uh, so that was a good thing. Yeah, I think it was quite quite obvious from the outset that Newcastle and West Brom. I think Gianni uh, Zivalun, who I spoke to a couple of weeks ago, he. He said that you know that it was always us. It was always us, basically, in the, in those top couple of positions. But you were obviously brought in by Roberto Di Matteo, who I think will have will have will have left by the by the time you 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 left West Bromwich Albion towards the end of your career, and you'd have it'd have been a switch for Roy Hodgson. But how did you yeah. find Roberto as a manager? Obviously, he's gone on to great things, Champions League, Champions <laughs> League with Chelsea. Um, how did you find him as a manager? Yeah, I think it was a little bit of a, like between sort of me and him, it was, I was this bubbly character, sort of like to, like really, I, lo- I love going in every day, love laughing and joking with the players <clears throat> and stuff. So uh, so I think he, he sort of saw me as a bit of a, I was messing around a little bit and, and he sort of told me that I had to be a bit more serious, um, which was which was fine. That's the way you know he wanted to be, so that wasn't a problem. Um, but ultimately, it was what I was doing on the pitch was was what uh, kept me in the team and, and made me a better player. Um, but he, he was fine. You know, we we did the same things uh, a lot of the time, and uh, he had his way of working. Him and um, Eddie Newton, they you know they have their way of working, which is fine for them. Um, but they were they were a decent. A, a decent sort of um, staff to work for. Uh, obviously, not the best I've worked for, but they they were a decent staff, so I can't can't complain. And obviously, what he's done with other clubs is obviously he's gone on to have a decent career. Yeah, I, I think it was Gianni's obviously who couldn't remember Eddie Newton's name. It was like I loved it. <laughs> It was like he was going on about his this assistant that Roberto Di Matteo had. He going, I loved him. He was amazing. And I was like, what? Who was it? And he was going, I don't know. He couldn't remember. <laughs> he couldn't remember for the life of him what his name was. But um, you were obviously part of that promotion team, and obviously you mentioned the pressure that there was to get to get you back up. But we did get back up here in the end, and we managed to go up with Newcastle, as you mentioned. What was that whole promotion experience like? Because obviously it was quite a big thing to get straight back to the Premier League, and obviously you as a on a personal note, you play going to play in the Premier League is, is a massive thing. Yeah, absolutely. It was uh yeah, once once it was confirmed and we went to uh we went to Doncaster and got the job done and um you know to be a part of it, to play a significant part of it, to <clears throat> to score 
to score some goals to help the, the, the team and the club get back into, into the Premier League was, was something I was really proud of. Um, if I was, I've said it numerous times, if I'm being truly honest with, with myself, I think it, um, it came a year, <clears throat> it came a year too early for me. Um, because I'd only, I'd been in league one, I'd had one season in the championship and then I was straight into the Premier League. So it was a really big jump for me. So I, I kind of would have loved to um, have one more year in the championship if I was being ultimately selfish. Um, with West Brom and, and gone on and been the sort of main man and and gone on and hit sort of 15, 20, 25 goals and sort of made my name in yeah. the championship and then gone to the Premier League and had a crack at that. Um as it was, it was a really big two years from League One to the Premier League. Um, and as stuff happens in the Premier League, um, you bring in new faces uh, and then you start to sort of mm. move down the pecking order a little bit and your time on the pitch starts to become few and far between. But um, listen, I'll never change, I'll never change the, the journey. I think it's been, it was an amazing journey. So, uh, so I can't complain there. Yeah. Definitely, but you, you walked into that West Brom dressing room, and of course, over the couple of years that you were, the few years that you were there, you'll have seen um, a lot of leaders in the in the dressing room. And I've always, always sort of wanted to know this because a lot of podcast guests have mentioned in the past, you know, their sort of who they saw as a, a leader or somebody who was always going to pick them up when they, um, you know, when when their chips were down. How did you? Who did you see as a as a leader? Who did you walk in and, and know that they were sort of the sort of top dog or? or commanding or something like that? It was really, really difficult because I walked in, the first day I walked in, I sat in the, in the dressing room at the training ground and um, and the, I, I knew like most of the people in there because obviously I'd watched watched the Premier League season. and um, But you, you're sort of drawn to the bigger names of the dressing room straight away. So the Scott Carsons in this world, we obviously had, for a very short time that I was there, Jonathan Greening and Paul Robertson were there before leaving uh, during pre-season. Um, but then you got people like Jonas Olsen. Now, this this guy's the most friendliest man ever, but would kick lumps out of you in training every day because <laughs> he wants to win. Um, yeah. But would then, as soon as you walk off the training pitch, he's the nicest guy in the world again. So, <laughs> and and that was fine. Um, but then obviously, you know, you have Jimmy, James Morrison and Brunty who uh, who have been at the club for a very, very long time and obviously who are now coaches at the club, which yeah. is great. Um, you can't you can't not be looking at those kind of guys as well who who know exactly what the club's all about, know exactly where the club should be and, and the way it should be, be run. Um, and that's how the dressing room ran with the senior yeah. players and, and that's how the, everybody who was new came in they knew that the expectation was led by the senior players. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think there's a lot of in that in that side. I know perhaps um, before before you joined, there was obviously Greening and 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 Robbo, but they, there's such a, a wealth of experience in that side, and there was lots of players who were all perhaps of a similar age, all fighting in the all pulling in the same direction. I think so. Um, playing in the Premier League is obviously different experience than what you were used to before. Obviously, you mentioned that jump; it was it's quite sudden. It's quite Sudden, of course, but you um you played in the Premier League. What was that whole experience uh, stepping out into the top flight? Yeah, well, uh, I actually um, 
that ankle ligaments while I was away on pre-season tour. We went to Slovenia, uh, I think Slovenia, I think it was, and uh, I did ankle ligaments and uh, and then I was at a race to, to get fit for the first game. We had Chelsea away um, and it was one of those, they were so, because like, I'd done my ankle ligaments, I was like, I was in such a frame of mind that I, I needed to get back for this, this first game because uh, First year in the Premier League, didn't want to miss any game. Never been to Stamford Bridge, didn't you know? Didn't know what the dressing <clears throat> dressing rooms were like or anything else like that. So I really, really wanted to go. Um, so I was like, that was my determination to to sort of get fit for that um, and not miss any game through any injury or or anything and just be ready for every game. Um, and then obviously I may end up making my Premier League debut. Came on for. 20 minutes or so um, in that game, you know, it wasn't a great, it wasn't a great game. I think we got, I think we got five or six. So yeah. uh, I don't think it was great, but, um, but no, it was as soon as, uh, as soon as I made my Premier League debut, I was like, this is unbelievable. Although it, it, again, similar to my debut, it was very much a, don't really remember the game too much, but, but it was, uh, I remember, I remember being there um, and, uh, and, trying to take in as much as I could, but not too much went in, I don't think. Yeah, and it was, um, you know, it, the Premier League season, obviously it was such a, like a, hoping that we wouldn't, uh, you know, be that yo-yo team again. And it was that, it was actually that season that sort of led us to continue in the top yeah. five, which is something that's re- really fantastic. And it's something that obviously it's fantastic that you were a part of. Um, but in your time at West Brom, Obviously, feel free to reel off a list because this is quite a, a broad question. But who would you say the best player that you 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 played with, like ability-wise, um, on the pitch at West Brom? Um, see, it's it's really strange because I never I never played with him, um, but he was he was still part of the, the squad, and um, he didn't. I don't think he. I don't think I ever played with him, but trained with him a few times was Borja Valera. Um, oh, right. Yeah, Gianni uh, Saivaloon picked the same same one. He picked he yeah. picked Borja as well. Yeah, but like he was just obviously you can see what he's gone on to do, and um, and I remember having a chat with Dan Ashworth a few years back, and and <clears throat> I remember he said about he said about him that outside of Messi and Ronaldo in the in La Liga, he had the best stats. So I mean, and then he's obviously I think I don't know if he's still at Inter Milan now, but um, but yeah, for what he's obviously gone on and done, um, mm. but he was he was unbelievable. Uh, just in training, you could tell he was like that sort of Spanish technical mm. ticky tacker sort of player um, and unbelievable talent. But um, but just for some reason or another, never really got that opportunity to play. Um, so he was good, but I think you've got a picture of him behind you. Uh, Piro and Wingy yeah. was uh, was incredible as well. Like as a as a centre forward, um, left foot, right foot, yeah, head. He, you know, everything he he did that season. We were there. You know, he was he was incredible. Um, and I think his goals alone pretty much kept us in that uh, kept us in the league that year. Yeah, def- I def- yeah, definitely. Peter, it was such a weird one because he just came out of nowhere. He wasn't a yeah. player that, you know... Did Lokomotor Moscow he came from? 
yeah, yeah. Over in over in Russia, like he just came here, and we were like, oh, we don't really know. What, we've had this a lot of times with strikers. We just thought we don't really know what we're getting here. Like, obviously, yeah. you, you proved yourself in English football. <laughs> people knew people knew who you were, but he was just an unknown quantity, and he was one of those. I, I do have to say, very few of those sort of foreign strikers coming in that have really paid off for us. So yeah, yeah. and Borja Valero, I, I, I'm you know it's, it's it's great to see two 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 ex players who have picked him as their best player. I think. Gianni mentioned something along the lines of it was a physical physical thing because he was he's quite small and quite, yeah, quite small, quite slight, yeah. But uh, yeah, maybe it might have been that. But so I think when you when you're that technical and when you and you can keep the ball, yeah. like you look at look at the, I guess the people that were keeping him out the Spanish, um, the Spanish squads of Xavi and Iniesta and Busquets, so they're not all the most physical of the. Uh, of stature, so uh, so that's why he probably fits in in that in that uh, in Spain and in Italy than he does in the UK, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I think that I think that's probably it. I think yeah, he he did prove he, he was he got the technical ability. So surprised he didn't get more of a chance at, at least to prove himself. But you played in front of the West Bromwich Albion fans for a few years, and you played at the Hawthorns quite a few times, obviously, and, and and away games as well. How did you find the West Bromwich Albion fans as a whole? What was what was their atmosphere that they built up like? Yeah, great. I thought they, they listen. They were great with me, um, obviously. Just as a somebody who come from the lower leagues and uh, all all he did was try try hard and um, try to score as many goals as he could, um, they were great with me. So obviously I have to thank them for that. But I think they were they were demanding. Obviously uh, expected to to get up first and foremost into uh, into the Premier League. But then once they once they're there, they're always a little bit like on the edge, just in case we're. On the end of a bit of a slapping, like we were at Chelsea and, and Man City away and stuff, but um, but for for the most part, I'd say they were they were they were really good. Um, always always cheering the boys on, and but again, probably the most thing or the best thing I could probably say they were demanding, which made the players I think uh, respect it and, and yeah. made them um, want to do want to do more. Yeah, I think so. I think that's what a, a lot of players have found playing for the album that, you know, they'll always get behind you, but there's always that sort of sense of, you know, insecurity that we might just get slapped <laughs> six or seven nil or something like that. I think that's the same even now. It, it doesn't, it, honestly, it doesn't change. But you uh, played for Republic of Ireland. You're the first guest that we've had on who's represented their country at senior level. You made your debut, I think it was against Northern <coughs> Ireland. I think think you you you'd have scored in that game as well. Yep. What was it? What was it like making your your debut internationally? Because that's obviously a fantastic achievement. Yeah, incredible. Uh, again, similar to like my debut, it was a it was a great um, a great time for me. Great time for my family. Obviously, with my Irish connections, I had I think fifteen twenty tickets for the game. Um, <laughs> just all all wanted to go and enjoy being in and around it. Um, so that was. That was amazing, um, and I was I was on a, another podcast yesterday, and and I said I, when I got the call that I was going to get uh, into the squad, I'd already booked my holidays. Um, so <laughs> the press guy at the, at the time at West Brom, John Simpson, he came up to me and he said, like, we've just had a phone call to say that um, they're releasing your name as part of the squad, um, and I turned around to him, I was like, Simo, I've, I've booked my holidays. <laughs> <laughs> what do I do? And he said, well. 
it's up to you. I mean, you can either say you don't want to join up, or you can and you go on holiday, or you can cancel your holidays and join up. So many appearances I'm ever going to get, so I might as well cancel my holidays. And 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 off I went. Um, but I actually thought I was only going to go there for um, just to observe, just to to be around it because I hadn't been selected before I thought it was just going to be one of those times where you go you sort of meet people and it was where the manager turned around and said look we like you but we're a little bit unsure we're going to bring you in for a little bit and, and see how you get on but um, after about two or three days training I got a, you know a tap on the shoulder saying that you start in the, the Northern Ireland game um, and I was like wow like yeah let, let's yeah. let's take that one um, and uh, yeah, end up. I think we won four, four or five, and I end up scoring. So that was that was amazing. Then you know, end up playing in the Scotland game after that as well, uh, which we won. Um, and then went on to Macedonia and Italy, and um, beat Italy and drew drew with yeah. Macedonia. So it was a really good little four games for me at the end of the season to to finish off what was would have been a really good season for me personally. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, it's always a fantastic moment seeing a West Brom player being called up for their country, whatever country it is. Obviously, we've got Sam Johnson in the England squad at, at the moment. Which yeah. is obviously Something that Albion fans, I know, especially will just, you know, they, they'll always keep an eye on what the international players are doing during the, during the break. Um, and you played at Euro 2012 as well, didn't you, for Republic of Ireland, which obviously wasn't particularly successful, unfortunately, for, for <laughs> Ireland going out of the group stage. But what was the Euro experience like? Because obviously that's a real achievement to go to go to an international tournament. Yeah, wow, what what an experience! Uh, probably the best experience of my life um, in terms of football. Um, the the day you get the call, I was in the car. I can't remember where I was going, but I was in the car. Got a phone call from the manager, and he said, "Look, you're in the squad to to go to the Euros." And then, like, he just sort of quietly celebrate in the car you're sort of fist pumping in the car like going yeah like this is going to be amazing um and then we played a little uh played a couple of tune-up games um where did we we went over to we went over to italy in uh, monte catini uh, had a little uh, parade and things there which was quite nice um Played another played another friendly game. Can't remember who that was against. Um, and then we flew into we flew into Poland. Um, got to our hotel base. Had our open training session the next day. Um, did the sort of opening ceremony thing, um, yeah. which was all a little bit bizarre for, for for me because obviously I'd never been to a major tournament, even been to watch or anything else. So I didn't really know what what everything was going on. Um, and then, uh, and then you sort of build up to the games, and uh, you build up two days before, and then all of a sudden the lobby at the uh, the hotel because they find out where you're staying. Yeah. Um, and uh, you probably know yourself, but uh, the Irish fans—they're not the most quiet of people. No. So when as soon as they get a few a few jars into them, that's it. The songs start coming out, and uh, you know it doesn't matter how many floors up you are, uh, you can hear it. So. Um, so yeah, three days before the game, they start to arrive. Two days before a game, you know, you start to a bit of buzz goes around. 
one day before the game and then all of a sudden the bar area and the lobby area and the you know the the food areas and that around the the, the hotel are all all packed full of uh green jerseys and uh lads singing their songs and stuff um and then the day of the game it's like don't leave your room you, you literally can't leave your room um because otherwise you you wouldn't be able to get through the crowd uh went for a, we went for a walk and we pretty much had to have like a police escort just to go for a walk <laughs> so that you, you wouldn't be getting, getting taken and taking photos and stuff like that. So, um, but then you go to the games and listen, the games went the way they did because we had Spain, uh, we had Italy and Spain in our group. Yeah. And, and they were the, the two finalists in the, in the whole competition. So it was going to be a tough one. Then throwing Croatia as well, so it was yeah. uh, it was it was like the the group of doom, if you want to call it that. And then, uh, but listen, going there, being a part of a Euros, um, playing in all three as well uh, was was something I'll never forget. Yeah, it it was it was a really good tournament actually. It was in was it the Poland and Ukraine one? Was Poland, that? Ukraine, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was a, it was a really good tournament. Not not perhaps from an England's perspective, getting knocked out on penalties as as per usual. But um, you you played obviously you mentioned there against uh, you you played Spain, you played Italy, which obviously fantastic players playing for them. But across your career, who would you say the best player that you've played against was? Uh, see, people ask me this one all the time, and it, it, it it's very very hard. Um, because of the caliber, like when you, when especially when you play international football, because you come up against which, which is meant to be the best of the best, and as I mentioned there with Spain and Italy, and you come up against Sergio Ramos and PK and um, Busquets and Xavi and Iniesta, Fabregas, Casillas, just in the Spain team, and then you obviously go to Italy and you go to um, Pirlo. You know, people like that and Buffon and stuff like that. But then when my last appearance was Portugal, so Ronaldo was in that team. Um, yeah, I mean, I played against England as well and you, yeah. you have Gerard and people like that in, in the team as well. So I think it's, it's so hard to, to name just one. It's, I've just been very, very lucky to, to come up against some of, especially in, in a really golden generation. I came up against probably... Yeah, some of the best that there's been around. Yeah, I de- definitely. There's certainly some. I, know, I named I named quite a few there, so you could take any of them. Yeah, honestly, there are some massive names on that list. Uh, <laughs> you, uh, Simon, are you a are you, are you a shirt swapping person? Do you? Do I you am. Know? I do. I do have a few shirts. Yeah. Uh, who have you Who have you got in your shirt collection that that you you like? So I was again like really lucky. I got uh, so I have a Ramos shirt. I have a <laughs> have a Casilla shirt. I have a Pirlo shirt. Um, who else have I got? Uh, it's even even in the Premier League, I was I was swapping for fun. Like <laughs> I don't know what I'd love to know what they've done with mine, but um, <laughs> but yeah, I can't imagine that mine gets is put up in their houses. But um, I think I've got a, a Bonucci shirt as well. Um, yeah. yeah, I've got Yaya Toure, I've got a Tevez. Yeah, I've got, I've got a few few nice ones in there. That's, that's quite a collection, crikey. I mean, I, I would, if, I was a, if I was a footballer, I wouldn't care. I wouldn't really be bothered what they did with mine. I'd be like, thank you. No, I don't, I don't care what they do with mine. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd be like, thank you, Sergio. I'm having my, I'm having my shirt. 
obviously, Simon, the, the listeners won't know what time or or what we how we're doing this, but um, what at the moment it's it's probably the earliest interview that I've ever had to do for the podcast. It's it's about eight o'clock in the morning for me. What time is it over there where you are? Seven o'clock in the evening. Seven o'clock in the evening. Now, Simon, if the listeners don't know, you are currently playing over in Australia. Um, and you're playing for Western Sydney Wanderers, who are who are doing quite well in the league at the moment. You're, you're second, and it looks like you're chasing down. Uh, I think it is it Central Coast Mariners at the top That's of the yeah. top of the league. How's that? How's that going for you at the moment? Yeah, we, we're in uh, we're in good form at the minute. We've we've won our last uh, three games on the bounce, so that's. Uh, that's that's good. We're we're starting to get in our stride now, and um, we're about just halfway through the season. So we've got got another thirteen games to go. Uh, we've got another game on on Friday night uh, away uh, in Melbourne. So that'll be uh, that's probably going to be our biggest game I think so far this year. Um, they're probably the best team here in the in the division at the minute. They've won their last five. So. Uh, so yeah, that'd be a good test for us, and uh, and hopefully we can continue on our on our way. Um, it works a little bit differently over here. It, even if you win the, even if you finish first, that doesn't necessarily mean you win the league. Um, yeah. So you come first, and then first and second have a little bit of a break, and then it's three, four, five, and six go into a playoff. The winner of those two games play one and two, and then it's the winner of those go into a final, and the winner of that one then goes and wins it. So yeah. you could finish it and then end up winning the whole thing. So uh, it's a bit it's a bit different, but it's um, it's been great since I've been here. I've uh, really enjoyed it. I've, I've been here just over a year now, and um, and it's been listen uh, the sun shining today, so I can't complain too much. Yeah, yeah. And you've got you've got Graham Dorans on your team at the moment, which is obviously something Albion fans might not know. How how is he doing? Is he all right? He's doing really well, mate. He is. Um, he's settled in really nicely. Obviously, he's got a, a friend of his, Kenny Miller, who's yeah. our um, who's our assistant manager. So, uh, so that's uh, that's a nice one for him. Um, but yeah, I remember he, he sent me a message before coming out, and he was like, "I'm I'm signing. I'm really looking forward to it. Bringing the the missus and the kids and that over here for uh, to help him settle in and stuff." And and I think they've settled in really nicely and. That's always a big thing as well when when the family comes over. You want to make them settled as quick as you can. And um, I mean, we're uh, we're pretty much free of COVID over here, so uh, so we're we're able to sort of come and go as we please. So that makes it a little bit easier for for people to enjoy life over here right now. Yeah, I saw on your Instagram this morning that it was like the rule the rules were lifting and and easing, and there's like, like no masks here and there and stuff like that. And you've got fans. Yeah. Have you got fans in the ground uh, over there? Yeah, yeah we're we're fifty percent, but as of Monday, there's we're hundred percent capacities again. So oh. um, I know, yeah, I can imagine that kills everyone to hear. But yeah. uh, no, it's uh, we we've actually done really well over here. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, we're oh. we're up to uh, well, we had no cases or no locally required uh, required cases for like sixty days or something like that, and then. Um, and then one was in hotel quarantine, but that's fine. And then, uh, and then since that day, it's uh, we've had no cases at all. So we've uh, touched wood. We 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 carry on that way, and and uh, and we can continue the way that we are. 
Wow, that is a that is a, a dream at the moment for for it's us. Something to be envious of, I know that. Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah, Australia and New Zealand. We're looking at you and thinking, what what on earth? What on earth are we <laughs> doing here? But yeah, Simon. Obviously, we wish you the best of luck for for the rest of the season. Hopefully, you can go on and and reach some real success with with Western Sydney. Uh, but yes, it's been a pleasure having you here on the Baggies podcast. I'm sure lots of Albion fans have enjoyed hearing your time. But yeah, thank you very much for coming on. Pleasure, no problem. Thanks for having me. Wow, what a great experience that was to hear from Simon after his fantastic time at West Bromwich Albion. And of course, the Euros with Republic of Ireland, Reading, um, Swindon, you know, there's so many different experiences that Simon's had at different tiers of football and different levels of the game. And it's obviously fantastic to hear from him. So but a massive thank you to Simon for joining me on this week's episode. It's really a pleasure. If you want to go and drop him a follow on Twitter, Instagram, see what he's up to now at Western Sydney Wanderers and make sure you go and check that out via the link in the description. But if you're new around here, for the Baggies podcast, make sure you're subscribing to us on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Follow us on Twitter at LouisBent underscore or at Baggies Pod. Links in the description. Make sure you drop a comment. Uh, just drop some in a nice review on Apple Podcast or a nice little comment on YouTube or Spotify or something like that would be lovely. But yeah, it's been a pleasure having you here for the duration of this one. And I'll see you straight away in the next one. It's weird. We don't really talk much anymore. We've got so many fantastic guests. But yeah, I'll see you in the next one. Goodbye, Baggies fans. Enjoy your week. Bye bye.